Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. You know, the first time I met Tammy, it was very weird because I'd never been used to a woman falling all over me. Oh, my God. You know, it was, it, it, you know, she made me very comfortable and I didn't know what to do. I prayed and I uh, looked in the sunset of setting. I said, God help. This woman is all over me. <laughs> really? And uh, I don't know what if to do. And uh, what if to do? It hurt my prayer. And she got up off me. I'm going to tell y'all the real story. Okay. So we met when we were 18 years old at a water amusement park. It was then called Wet n' Wild. Something nasty, don't it? Yeah. But uh, (laughs) it's now called Hurricane Harbor. And when we tell the story, we have to make sure we say that it it was a water amusement park. So I'm there with my girls. And um, there was a guy that I was seeing at the time. And he made me mad. And so I walked outside of the park. So everything was getting ready to end. I'm sitting there. I have a, a towel wrapped around me, cute little swimsuit on, hair slicked back red lips like Sade. And uh, these two guys come up to me and like yank my towel off of me. So I'm already mad at old boy that's still inside. And so I'm like, give me my towel back. Give me my towel back. And so all of a sudden, this guy fully clothed in cross colors comes walking up to me and he snatches the towel from the guys and hands it back to me. He's like, you know, here you go. And so I'm like, thank you. And so I guess the guys were like, wait a minute, hold up. You're the one that told us to take the towel so that you can meet her. I literally bust up laughing. Like, I don't know why it was funny to me, but I'm like, Really? So like this crazy, energetic, hyper guy, he's always, always been that way. So initially I thought, you know what, I'm gonna make old boy jealous. So yeah, let's stand right here and keep talking. And so, you know, we're 18 years old and he's fully clothed. I got a swimsuit on and I'm like, where, you know, where are you coming from? And he said he was a minister of music. Well, I was this church girl and it just threw me that at 18, He would be honest about that. And so all of a sudden I was really, really intrigued. I thought he was cute already. And so now now I'm like, well, let's go over here. And we just started talking. And that night he told me um, he had this amazing dream to do gospel music, but he wanted to infuse like all of the different music, you know, that influenced him, like hip hop and reggae and classical, you know. And so again, I'm amazed that first of all, he told me he was a minister of music. He's 18 and he's got a plan. And so I'm like, this is crazy. And so we exchanged numbers and I thought he never called me, but he did. You know, we all in the family have this protective relative. You got my protective sister. And mean. She was mean. <laughs> she was mean. A little mean, but more protective. And so... Y'all call yourselves Christians. You know what? <laughs> and so, you know, he got the, she ain't here. Click. Click. So I was never told about this until years later. And because I already had rejection issues, it's like, that's all it took for me. You know, I'm like, I'm not doing that no more. I've been hurt too many times. Oh. 
Fast forward three years later, and we have a, a mutual friend who reintroduces us. She had no idea we'd never met before. So she's telling me about this guy who her boyfriend at the time was working on his demo. And so she's inviting me to the recording of the demo. And, you know, I'm like, okay, sure, I'll go. So he jumps out on stage and I'm like, is his name Kurt? And she's like, yeah, this is, this is who I've been telling you about. Cause she'd been saying, girl, you need to meet this guy. He's amazing. And I mean, he's short like you and you know, so I'm like, whatever. So he jumps out on stage and I wasn't mad. I was just, I think, floored that he was doing exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm literally like in amazement. He's kind of checking me out while he's on stage, right? You're checking me no, out? No, no. Whatever. I was thinking about Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's up there, you know, doing gospel music, mm-hmm, but he's mm-hmm. like, you know, who, who's that? You know, and so afterwards, my girlfriend's like, come on back, come say hello. And my dad always raised me to, you know, not be too readily available. So I was like, no gonna go ahead and go home and she said can I give him your number and I said sure sure so he called me and initially he didn't remember me at least you said you didn't no he didn't remember me and so I said do you remember me you know I reminded him of you know swimsuit and he was like oh my gosh it It was was a swimsuit (laughs) she said you remember that swimsuit (laughs) yes I remember the swimsuit That was you? Turn around, dude. That was you. You know what? This is I'm, I'm just being... So he let me know that he did call because I thought he never called me. And he said, yeah, I got this girl. And she said, you ain't here. And you know what I'm like? Oh my gosh. So all this time, I thought he never called me, but he did. I moved away. So we tried to maintain like this long distance relationship. I was in a girls group and uh, we were moving to Minnesota. We had the same um, manager at the time as this group that was like really huge in the 90s called Mint Condition. We were moving away to Minnesota and he and I, we spent every day together before I left. And he asked me not to leave, but it was like too good to be true, too quick. But I mean, what if this is the one? But we were so young and it just didn't make sense. And so I left. We tried to maintain a, a long distance relationship. That's when cell phones were expensive and those long distance plans, they just didn't work for a brother on a budget. So, <laughs> or a sister you know, on a budget. You know what I mean? It didn't work. But um, over that time, we just, we maintained this amazing relationship, um, more so friendship, I would say. Our romantic feelings were kind of like the elephant in the room. And and so we would go through spurts of really communicating and then spurts of of not because I wasn't coming back anytime soon. And so sometimes that would get in the way, you know, of the friendship. The friendship, just we would talk and he would call me and, you know, because he was doing gospel music, but he still was this young guy. So he was, you know, struggling, wanting to live right. And so he'd call me. You know, like, oh my gosh, I just really want to do this thing right. And, you know, but he'd be over somebody's house late at night. And you know what happens? Telling too much. Late at night. Um, Telling too much. And so we we really became like best friends. And one particular night, he decided to make this one particular girl the one. (sighs) I just remember that just quickening in me like a, oh, like a this jolt, you know. But we were friends and the feelings I was having at that time were very confusing. So he had this night planned for her, you know, flowers and candy, dinner and all this. And I'm literally on the phone, like really almost in tears, but you know, I didn't say anything. And so he went through with the date and um, he calls me about two or three in the morning to tell me about, you know, the date. My heart is literally breaking. So he's telling me about the date and everything. And then he says, but I couldn't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean you couldn't do it? Why, you know? And he said, I just, I can't stop thinking about what you and I are supposed to be. And it just, I don't know, it was just this sigh of relief. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I was so heartbroken when you told me that you were gonna do this. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? I said, I want you to be happy. And you know, I wasn't sure where my feelings were. I knew that I had amazing deep feelings for him, but you know, just the distance was getting in the way. And so that, when that happened, it just went really fast. Well, I got delivered from the hoeing. <laughs> I stopped hoeing and I got holy. No. Oh, um, Jesus. You know, that I just knew that I had to make sure that she didn't leave me this time. I had to make sure that I was ready to make that commitment. So I called her dad and I told her dad, I said, I, I want to marry your daughter. And it's like, son, you know, I'd be more than happy to have you as my son. And I flew up to her parents' house. And by this time, I had a son. She had a daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, my son's name is Carrion. Her daughter's name is Carrington. And they're like uh, one year apart, but birthday's the same month. Birthdays are a week apart. A week apart, and I thought yeah. that was cute. I was like, gotcha, I'll tell you something. So her and her daughter were at her mom's house, and her dad picked me up from that port. And I had this, uh, this nice ring. I was a boss with the ring. You know what I'm saying? I'm still making papers. No. Uh, <laughs> 21 years later. 21 years later. And so I went into the living room and I got on my knees in front of her and her daughter. Yeah. He had me grab my daughter's hand. It was really sweet. I'm the oldest of seven siblings. And so in front of all my siblings, my mom, my dad. And I said to her, I'm not a hoe no more. <laughs> Let's do the doggone thing. Isn't that romantic? That's not what you said. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Don't I just feel like people that love God? So you went from best friends to proposing? I mean, there was some time in between where we, you know, we would see each other. But it, I mean, it really went fast. When it was time, it was, it was yeah. time. We had developed this, you know, friendship. And, you know, this was a process of six years, maybe? Yeah, but by the time we got back in touch in March, we were married by January. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we married nine months later, mm -hmm. yeah. For me, I knew that Tammy was the one that God had designed for me because God's hand in it was so visible. You know, I'm a very strong skeptic. I'm not one of huge faith, and I struggle with faith and believing at times. And I know that's unique for what I do for a living, but in all honesty, you know, it has been the thing that's been the driver for my faith. There were times as a man, I wanted to run from it. Every time I would try to run from my relationship with Tammy, it would be so obvious that it was really designed, it was really ordained. There were things that just wouldn't make sense. There were things that all rationale wouldn't have ever led up to it. It was always constant. It was very weird that I was going to Detroit the same weekend she was going to Detroit or certain phone calls that I would have missed normally. I didn't miss hers. And I didn't miss it at the time that it was the only the time shit called. And then I remember one night I was in one of the rooms at my house and I just remember getting on my knees asking for help. Cause again, when you're a 25 year old boy and you come from an environment where all these marriages fail or men are not faithful, you know, it can be very scary trying to venture out in that area cause you don't have a lot of blueprints. And these extra relationships are really, they're band-aids for like deeper issues, you know, for mother issues or abandonment issues. Those things are scary because you know you're good at being bad, but you don't know if you'll be good at being good. And so when you've never seen good be modeled as good, you don't really even know if it's possible. So you're afraid. You know, she wasn't pregnant, so there was no reason for her to get married. But I can literally 
feel mm-hmm. a force behind me. The same even for me. I'm very analytical. I like to plan things and it just did not make sense. And I didn't want to be a minister's wife. I didn't necessarily know that if I was you know, pretty enough or spiritual enough, to me, that is huge. And so I tried to run from it. And that's amazing that you would hear somebody this pretty and beautiful thinking that they were not beautiful enough, which is very amazing to me, you know, but I love her transparency. She didn't think that she would have been good enough or for really something that none of us are good enough for, you know? None of us are good enough to rep God, you know? We rep God because he's good to us, not based on the fact that we're good. We could tell definitely that... That was an invisible hand. Yeah, I love telling the story. Um, We both grew up in the same area, and at this point, we're married, and my husband was a minister of music at, like, age 11, and we go to the same church where he's directing. So at 11 years old, I'm 11, he's 11, I saw my husband direct and had no idea, of course, at that time. Just, you know, things like that that are part of our story just, you know, lets us know that it just is meant to be. Sounds like a cliche, but... Yeah. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winners' designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future, together we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. I was not ready for the maturity that marriage requires. He used to say to me, if like we would get into it, I'm not having fun. Being a 17-year-old father, my life in my childhood was taken away from me very young. And even before my son was born, my life was kind of full of drama and issues because I was raised by an older woman. So her life was very older. And a lot of my environments and surroundings and issues that I was going through, you know, with my sister being back and forth and being abused and, you know, having relatives on drugs. And so there was a lot of childhood that was taken away. And then I had a learning disorder and I didn't realize that I got older and my oldest son was diagnosed as well, that, you know, I failed out of high school in the ninth grade. So I struggled in my academics. So I didn't get to go to prom. I only went to one homecoming with a girl. And so even my high school years were not fun because I was a young dad you know, had this learning disorder. And so I was really behind. So when God breathed on my career, it was an opportunity to kind of relit. Cause now I have a couple of dollars and I go to Six Flags when I want to, and I go place what I want to. And so when I got married, I wanted to keep that up. Whatever the kids got, he got like, so he got them uh, go-karts one year for Christmas. And I got me one you too, got a go-kart. you know, cause <laughs> I want to have fun. Us being married with kids already, I would burn her up cause she said, I I'd bring the kids in at 10, 10 30. He would we're pick up. them up from school, sugar them up. I mean, play, play, play. And then they would come home 
about nine or 10, no homework done. You know, so I'm frustrated because I'm having to get them up 6.37 to do their homework and blending our family in terms of just us. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I have this big kid. Yeah. I had a hard time growing up and I still have a hard time growing up. Like I enjoy being young and being free to move around. And I want her to do that with me. She was more traditional. Then I realized she wanted to plan, she wanted to talk, and she wanted to do adult things. And she wanted to strategize. And and I'm thinking, I'm like, who are you? (laughs) What's that girl in that bikini? I want that girl (laughs) in that bikini. But she turned very quick into, you know, what's the mom with the glasses that come down here? You know, I'm like, nah, I want the bikini. (laughs) But she turned quick from the bikini to the glasses. And she had to learn too. Yeah, you know I what did. I mean? But because I, I think that really the truth is the woman with the glasses like this was a little bit more her. Because Tammy would tell me stories. Tammy and her girlfriends would go out to the club. Tammy would fall asleep at the club. Yeah. That's hilarious to me. You know, like even when I would shop for Tammy, because I shop oh, for Tammy, God. I would buy her sexy clothes. No, he wanted... Just give him a little knee. Just everything. Give him a little I'm like, oh my, I was like. Give him a little neck. You know, a little preppy. And oh, that was. I wanted that bikini girl. I just, <laughs> then I got Nana. And I'm like, who, who is <laughs> You called me Nana? You know, it went on, I would say the first couple of years of our marriage. It was pretty, you know, a pretty big tug of war between us and me feeling like that. You had an adult. That I had an adult child, which really created some tension between us. And, um, you know, one thing that I loved about our relationship is that we're friends. And thank God we were, because that kind of helped, you know, that was that glue that would help bring us back to the center of our relationship. And what always helps Tammy and I, even to this very day, is that I am a strong advocate for counseling and accountability. I mean, Tammy and I have gone to marriage counseling many times throughout our years, and it's always been on me. I've always been the one to initiate it. And I had to learn to appreciate that about him because I didn't realize until it really was brought to my attention that most men have a difficult time asking for help. And so I grew to, to appreciate that about him. I'm very a resolved natured person. So there were oftentimes I'm like, well, we can figure this out. But sometimes you got to sit on somebody's couch and get that outside perspective and let them help you. And I was always very quick to do that. And you know, that was and is and has always been a saving grace to our marriage. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm very wired to ask for help. I'm like that in my marriage, I'm like that in life. I'm very inquisitive, I'm very curious. Some of it stems from insecurity because I'm not always confident in my own self. But you know what's really dope about God is God can use your weaknesses too for good when you give it to him. So my lack of confidence has always been something that has always driven me to want to double check it. So it's been something that I'm very quick to do in my own life, you know, in money and with my spiritual walk and being a man, integrity. I always want to know hey man, I need help on this, I need wisdom. What should I do, you know? I mean, one thing I love about my husband. What do you love about me? Is his desire to have accountability. I mean, that's not normal, you know, for most men, especially someone in leadership. You know, they tend to be so used to being the one that has the answers, but Kirk DeWayne will go, I mean, sometimes to a fault, you know? 
Well, I'm like, babe, really, we can handle this. We got, <laughs> you know, we got this. I love that about him too, where, you know, we'll go get tune-ups, whether it's sitting with my parents mm -hmm. or not necessarily for a counseling session, but just to ask questions. You know, we want to be successful. Because marriage is under attack. You know, it's very scary when you start to peel back the layers and see how many men are just there. You know, they're not in love, they're not engaged. And even sometimes how many women, yeah. you know, they're just there. We work very, very hard at us, whether that is going to get some um, advice from someone if we need it. Always someone that we, you know, admire. And that, you know, you don't want to talk to somebody yeah. that just can't steer you in the right direction. Making sure we make time for us, date night. And sometimes date night is sitting on the couch watching TV and cuddling with each other. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's sex. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winners' designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future, together we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. Tam and I, we hit a really interesting spot in our marriage. About the first five years of our, of our marriage, you know, it was touring, traveling, and international, and kids, and woo. I, I mean, it was big. And then one day, my career was changing, and, it was, you know, things were going another direction. 2001. Mm. And we went to dinner, and it was very eye-opening for both of us. Like, yeah. who are you? We don't even know each other, because we've been so much on the road. And then when I'm now home for a long period of time, it's like, you know, like ships passing each other, yeah. not even knowing the language of how to communicate. And it was very scary. And we went to counseling, and we were in and out of counseling for about four years. And... Uh, it was beautiful because, you know, your career can really be intrusive and it can also become like the other woman or the other man. And it's a shame for God to give us a best friend to marry, but we don't utilize all the buttons that come with that gift. It's like when a man buys a car or anything, men like buttons. Right? Men like to be able to say, yo, you know, they like tell everybody, look man, see what you can do. And if you push this, it do this, and then it hit this button, it come outside down, you do that, you know, men like to do that. Well, within a woman, God has created all these buttons for a man to go, look at that, she's a homie. Look at that, she's a psychiatrist. Look at that, she's a lover. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a woman has in her all these buttons, but men can be so consumed with the other woman in the room, that career, that he's not maximizing all the buttons that got put in the woman. And then the woman becomes flustered because she was designed to have all of her buttons pushed. Same for me. I mean, to sit across my husband and be that couple that we didn't ever want to be, that couple that you see when you're in the restaurant and they're not saying anything. Scary. To each other. And, yeah. um... The thing that I am so grateful for is that we both were willing to put in that work. Us going and working hard at mm -hmm. us and making us a priority. Uh, when we renewed our vows at 10 years, we were sobbing 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with happiness because we put in the work. And I mean, to be able to marry him again was the most beautiful moment because we did the work and we're still doing it. I don't want it to come across like we stopped at 10 and then yeah. things have been great. I mean, he was still a big kid at times, but when we renewed our vows at 10 years, it was the most beautiful moment. There's this picture of Tammy during a 20 year renewal and we took it outside. And it's a picture that I love looking at because I look at her and she's looking so happy. Sometimes married couples have their, you know, it's like, okay, the camera's on, so you gotta be on. But I was looking at it, she was glowing. And I'm like, that is the greatest compliment to a man. It's that when your wife don't have to fake it. And I look at that picture, and that picture for me, it's like, good job, Kirk. Cause she's glowing. I mean, she's so happy and I'm like, man, 20 years. And now look at her smiling like that. That made me feel very special as a man. I loved you the day I married you, but It's amazing to me how I love you more. Like, it amazes me. It just evolves and keeps growing. The more that we have um, just pulled back the layers. I mean, I took him to go swimsuit shopping with me. It dawned on me at that moment, this is some trust right here. Because, I mean, (laughs) you know, swimsuit shopping for a woman is not fun. And, And I even told him, I said, now, babe, this is one of the most vulnerable times for a woman. I don't know what it is about swimsuit shopping. But to me, when I thought about it, I know it's something silly and simple, but it was just a testament of how much I trust him. Because, you know, I trust him to tell me the truth. What I could tell you is that it was not any homework that kind of fueled us and directed us in the right path. It was really having someone speak the reality to us or someone to say, Kirk, you're wrong. Tammy, this is what he's saying. And I think because we loved each other, for me, I would go, Okay, it's me, it's not her. And then I would go, God help me in that area. Help me dig in that area. I think it gave us a place to be heard. Yeah, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. good. And I think the biggest thing I learned is that there's a relationship, which means there's two perspectives. It's not just mine. So to hear his perspective and really, really hear it, not be focused on uh, being mad or a response, is just to hear his perspective, sit with it, and go, okay. The therapist told us something that was really cool, and we kind of use it even in our life even now. He said, a psychiatrist gets the term shrink because it's their job to shrink the problem. It freaked us out, but it did help us to, to realize. Shrink the problem, because we're going in on 10, <laughs> uh, and then he shrinks the problem. And so you're able to maneuver. So, you know, really a lot of it is just having another perspective. And I think the reason why some people may need homework is because some people may not always respond to the light when it's shined on them. Some people may get the light shined on them and go, well, that's just your opinion. You know, he don't know what he's talking about. You know, it's funny when you have people be arguing with a doctor. (laughs) It's like, these are people that are not ready to look inward. And I think people that are willing and ready to look inward may not always need as much homework. Yeah. Does that make sense? But I think some people, the tools that they give you is to keep you on that journey of chiseling down you. I think that for me, it's open communication. Because a lot of what we we're going through, even the five years, it wasn't necessarily that we were so on a high that we weren't going through anything. Mm-hmm. But it taught us to slow down enough to make sure that we're talking to That's each other good. and that we're checking in. Yeah, you know, you just be busy and so 
Yeah, but it was good. It made us better, it made us stronger. And, and we would go sometimes individually, we'd go um, collectively. So, you know, that helped too as well. Yeah. My parents were very traditional, but had a more liberal bend. I was allowed to express myself respectfully. Where Kurt grew up, children were basically seen and not heard. And we had to blend our style. So I didn't mind my children telling me, you know, if they were frustrated or if they were mad. Or the way I looked at it is you don't become 18 and all of a sudden, you know, develop these feelings. You have, they have little feelings. So I had to kind of help teach, you know, for him, he was like, you're not mad. You know, you know, and I'm like, no, baby, they Watch are. your mouth. You need you to know, watch your mouth. You, you need to put some syrup on it, put some honey <laughs> on that. Watch how you're saying that. Yeah, I was very, I realized you're frustrated. And he yeah. would say, you got no right to be frustrated. Yeah. You know, I had a girl, he had a boy. Well, he was used to discipline a boy. He had to transition to now discipline a girl because you can't jerk a girl up, you know. And so prior to my husband, the man in her life was my dad. Well, grandparents don't really discipline. So she wasn't getting much discipline, you know, with my dad anyway. And then here comes Mr. Uh, suck it up. So she would literally just, oh, you know, fall out on the floor. But then she had me wrapped around her Oh, finger, wrapped. So. Wrap, wrap, wrap. All I had to do was just even just look at my belt. She'd fall out. Yeah. He legally adopted her and the relationship's beautiful. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. I think that to have a healthy balance in front of your kids is important because if they grow up and all they see is happy, happy, there's no, they don't learn any conflict resolution. Yeah. Um, and so we have been honest. We even go to our kids and tell them when, we're, when we've been wrong because when I've handled something, maybe my emotions were all over the place. And so I didn't give a response, maybe like I would have wanted to. So we are very big on going even to our kids and saying, hey, I didn't handle that very well. I am so sorry. Or if something happens between the, the two of us, um, we have said, hey, the way I spoke to your dad at that given moment, I was frustrated. It wasn't very respectful. So I think, you know, having that healthy balance um, with rearing your children and letting them see different sides of you, we are the lesson that they'll learn to go out into the world of how to be in a relationship. And so yeah. I think it's important. I think that everything that we try to do or everything a parent should do, it should all be through the lens of love. Cause you know, love is very multifaceted. Love is not also this nurturing thing. Love is also discipline. Love is also mm. uh, being stern. Love is sunshine and rain. But when it's done through the lens of love, then they grow from it. You know, a lot of times, you know, we don't always have the intent of love. A lot of times we're just 
frustrated and, you know, lashing out, but it's never with the agenda of, I love you, I want to teach you, I want to grow you. So I think that when a parent just keeps the lens of love, part of everything that they put out, mm-hmm. that it would always be for that child's best interest. Yeah. And we always, too, one of our sayings is, you know, it's a teachable moment. And that kind of shrinks the intensity at times. Oftentimes, I believe as adults, we forget that we went through a process of having to learn and grow, and now you have these little human beings, and when they do something, there's this assumption that they knew what they did was wrong. Well, no, they didn't. They didn't Mm -hmm. know, or they wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. So it's a teachable moment of, let me explain to you why this is a problem right now. I have learned about myself since being married that marriage is not designed to complete every area of your life. No human can fully do that. A human that also is flawed, like every human is, does not possess in themselves the capacity to give you everything you were created to have. We are spiritual beings. And so without a connection to the creator, for me as a Christian, you know, that's always through my lens of my faith, is that I love Tammy, but I must always love God more because my love for him is what gives me the power to love her when the emotion of love is not there. See, the problem with emotions is that emotions have no intellect. They connect themselves to whatever thought is taking place. So in marriage, there are times that you may not feel love. You may not feel in love. So when you don't have that feeling, you've got to have something bigger than that emotional high. So for me, it is my commitment to my faith and my commitment to God that gives me the power to walk out those days when love may, the feeling of love may not be in the room. You know, that it just may be one of them days. Ain't nobody done nothing wrong. It's just one of them days where your breath stink, you got them boogers in your eyes, and you know, you just have one of those days. And so it is my commitment to God that fuels my commitment to Tammy, because I know that Tammy is an earthly expression of a heavenly reality. God honors me as I honor her. When I don't honor her, I cannot expect the best from God. There's even scriptures, I believe it's Paul that talks about how a man's prayers are not answered based on the response to his wife. It's pretty deep, it's pretty dope, and it shows you how committed God is to this institution of marriage. Because marriage is the only physical thing that we have to show us the commitment that God has with us. You know, God is still death to his part. God is in bad times, good times, loving God, stinking behinds. So he responds to us based on how we respond to each other because we are the earthly example of who he is to us. When we are unlovable, he still loves us. And so it's through that lens that I believe gives a man a power to be faithful and want to be faithful to his wife. Not only faithful with other women, but faithful in his commitment, faithful with his money, faithful with his mind, faithful in his time. It's almost like how I would say to men, no man with common sense would slap a woman in front of a father. No man with common sense would holler another girl in front of his girl's father. You just wouldn't do that. Well, when you have the lens that in God's eyes, this is his daughter. So because that's his daughter, certain things I'm not going to do in front of her dad because I got to answer to her dad for how treating his daughter. And so when you have that type of perspective on your faith, it subtles you. It gives you a tenderness and a humility and a dependency that men need because men are conquerors. Men's a type A. Men are go-getters. Men are ambitious. And, and a lot of times make find themselves out there vulnerable, lost with no covering because we're always chasing, chasing the job, the 
the career that drains the woo. And then we look up, it's like, what's wrong? I keep the bills or I keep the lights on while you tripping. It's like, has nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with, I have to love this woman and I'm committed to love this woman because every day God is committed to me and I get to show my love to him, not by just thanking him and lifting my hands, but how I serve her. And with that lens, it is the motivating thing that has taught me so much about how selfish I am, self-centered I am, how I'm committed to myself more than others. So it is the unraveling of my lens through him that I've been able to see more of me that needs to be changed and challenged and transferred so that I can love her like he loves me. Marriage has taught me about myself that I am long-suffering. And when I say that, it's taught me that I have the strength to be loyal and committed and to put his needs before my own. Um, it's taught me that I was not as selfless as I thought I was. I think if you will allow it to, marriage will show you exactly who you are yeah. and what you need to work on. Yeah. It's taught me that not only am I dependent upon God for the strength that I need to be able to be the amazing wife I want to be, that I am also confident um, and assured that I can. It's something about being loved and treasured that just builds you up. I don't know, it's just when you are loved, treasured, there is this confidence that just comes from that. And I, you know, I think that marriage has shown me that I'm good by myself, but I've like become amazing with him. Never stop dating. When the fun leaves, hope leaves. Do not lose the fun. Men have to have their homie. You gotta laugh with him, play the fart game with him. You yeah. gotta keep it fun. Just say each other's friend. He's my best friend, and I know that a lot of people say, marry your best friend, marry your best friend. But you know when you have that good girlfriend when you were younger, like in your 20s, whatever, and y'all were going through, it would just like rip your hearts out and you, and you couldn't wait to make up so you can get back going. And that's how I feel about him. It doesn't make me push things under the rug by any means, but it does help me to weigh the situation on scales. And if it's not a deal breaker, quit responding like it's a deal breaker. We respond so big, like it's, Oh my gosh, and it really wasn't. Don't respond like it's the end, it's not.